You know what time it is. It's the Last Call Podcast with Chris Michaels, and it's probably going to be another episode of a Hangover Monday. I used to do that. I used to have daily themes for a while, and uh, there's just so much that happened over the weekend and today that there's no other way to look at this. I mean, Hillary Clinton is out there running the same kind of nonsense that she tried to do all throughout Donald Trump's presidency. Again, on MSNBC, she went on to be interviewed by who? It doesn't say here. Uh, It just says what this fat pig said. I don't think, despite all of the deniers, there's any doubt that he interfered, Putin, in our election. And then he has interfered in many ways in the internal affairs of other countries. Funding political parties, funding, you know, political candidates, buying off you know, government officials in different places. Sounds a lot like what you did, sweetheart. Sounds a lot like what the Bidens do right now. And I fear that the Russians have proved themselves to be quite adept at interfering, just like NATO with the United States. And if he has a chance, he'll do it again because he hates democracy and he hates the West and the United States. And he can do two things simultaneously. First is that Russia can continue to damage and divide us internally. And he's quite good at it. And this is all Putin. Oh, goodness. She is an idiot. And she goes on to say we have to reject authoritarianism. We have to reject a kind of creeping fascism, almost, of people who are really ready to turn over their thinking, their votes, to want to be dictators. And we can't allow that to proceed. What do you think the Democrats have been doing for the past eight years? They've been doing exactly what this fat cow has been supposedly fighting against. This is the classic case of stupid, idiotic Democrat inversion where they accuse their opponents of doing the same crimes and performing the same kind of activities that they themselves are doing. So once again, we now have the playbook. Ms. Clinton has come out and said how she thinks the Democrats could win the 2024 election. Blame Russia and then do what she has said. Not reject authoritarianism, but embrace it. Not reject a kind of creeping fascism, which we have seen all throughout the COVID scandemic, but embrace that kind of fascism. What do I mean by that? What does she mean by that? She means embrace the type of censorship that we see across social media. Embrace the kind of fascistic, synergistic type of dynamic between government and private industry. Or NGOs like the Anti-Defamation League that we've now seen all across X and social media. That's what she really wants. That's the game plan. And of course, what I said earlier too, uh, last week, when it when Hillary Clinton is gaining a billion or two billion dollars, if my calculations are correct, for handling the twenty-five billion dollars that the Clinton Global Initiative is going to be getting from the World Bank, thanks to the American government, to distribute through its partners to help rebuild the Ukraine. This is how she gains a war chest. This is how they launder the money. Because my suspicion is that she thinks that she is going to be able to run for president. Although, I still have my suspicions about Gavin or Newsom, or Gavin Gruesome over there. Or Gavin Nuisance. I mean, how many different names can we have for this guy, governor of California? Why is that important? Because we know the kind of dictator and fascist 
Gavin Newsom has turned out to be. Just look at what he did during COVID and look at what he still intends to do uh, if there is another COVID-style event. Same kind of deal. Same kind of thing that Hillary is saying, oh, that we must reject. Then why are you putting and supporting candidates up there that embrace those kinds of governance powers, right? They cannot do what they want to do with your vote they because you'll reject it. Almost everything that they try to do would be rejected by any normal thinking person, right? So the only way they could do it is through these kinds of powers, these kinds of authoritarian measures, these kinds of fascist measures, where they need social media to censor people, where they need executive orders, or uh, yeah, I guess it's an executive order at the governor level, to enforce whatever it is they want to enforce. That's how all of this works, and that's how all of it continues to work. If you couldn't tell... Uh, I sneezed a couple of times, so I'm a little bit congested, and uh, I have—I I guess my throat is dry from sneezing like an idiot. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of struggling with that. But moving right along on this Hangover Monday, uh, well, here's—I saw this picture, and it is a kind of a disturbing picture. And the New York Post had this story out there, uh, and it's about oh. Migrants are so desperate to get a better life in America, they are climbing through the razor wire that's along the border, and uh, children are also screaming in pain from having to go through the razor wire themselves. And they show a picture of individuals like like it's they're, they're I don't know if you know how razor wire looks. It's basically barbed wire, but they're crawling through. So the 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 razor wire is in a coil along the ground. And these people are crawling through on hands and knees, cutting themselves up because it's razor wire. It's got little razors on it, right? So name one parent that you know that would push their children through a tunnel of razor wire where the child is crawling on hands and knees. That's right. You can't name one parent that would do that because what this story is probably about is human traffickers. Human traffickers are pushing children through razor wire because they know that they won't have to deal with the child once they cross the border. Once they drop off the product, the child, then they don't have to deal with it. And they know that that child is probably doomed from the get-go. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been paid tens of thousands of dollars to transport the child and escort the child across the border. So when they come out there and say, oh, it's just parents that want to – what parent – would actually do that to their kid. None. None of them would. None of them would. It's a story about human traffickers. And so they're trying to gin up sympathy to allow this kind of travesty to continue across the border. This, all while, on Fox News, Griff Jenkins posted on X that the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Sources revealed approximately 11,000 migrant encounters along the border in the last 24 hours, meaning over the course of this past weekend. And that is the single highest day in recent memory. And then there was another stat that I wish I had in front of me, but the the stat of women to men, overwhelming amounts of men 
of fighting aged men streaming across the board. Why is that the case? Why is there this sudden mass migration to the northern hemisphere of fighting aged men? And I say that mass migration to the northern hemisphere because it's not just the United States. You're seeing the same kind of thing occur over in Europe and specifically Italy most recently. So why are they doing this? Are they gearing up for a world war that they know that their nation's populace wouldn't go for? Could it be that? Could it be, oh, you're illegal in this country, and if you want to maintain your status within this country and somehow earn citizenship, then all you have to do is sign up for the armed services or be a mercenary in some foreign land like the Ukraine. That's the only thing that makes sense. Or the other option that could possibly make sense with all of this, why they are doing all of this migration, it could also be that what they intend to do or what is driving this is an, a, a, an attempt to subvert these countries. Some other country, some other nation could see the West and the United States as an as a competitor, as an enemy nation. So what do you do? How do you bring that down? If you, you destroy the culture in those nations, you create discord within those nations, particularly along racial lines, knowing that there are racial issues within the United States, and they've been going on forever. So you create this constant tension, this constant discord within a country so that they can't move forward, so that they can push through emergency draconian powers and do what they want to do. And in our case, in the Americans' case, it's probably to remove the Constitution in one form or another and replace it with something else. You already see the rhetoric in, in this kind of thing where they say, well, you know, the Constitution is malleable. It's just a piece of paper. And it was created 200-some-odd years ago, so it's clearly outdated. So we, we, we shouldn't base our lives on the Constitution. Okay, so then what should you base your life on? Uh, some weird, bizarre communist manifesto? Some bizarre fascist uh, type of political structure that we're seeing now? This conglomeration of big tech, big pharma, big agriculture, and the government? And woe betide, bet <laughs> I almost said it wrong, and I can't say it now. My voice is shot for some reason. Uh, and woe to you if you dare speak out against any of those big businesses. Just look at what happened during COVID, right? You get the idea. This country, this government, I should say, they don't care about you. They don't care about us. They want to usher in a new style of governance, where it's not just the United States government. It is going to be a one-world government. And that one-world government, if everything goes the way we think it's going to go, is really just going to encompass the EU, uh, the UK, probably New Zealand, probably Australia, the United States, Canada, maybe Mexico. That's what the West is going to look like. Those countries are going to be rolled up into a Western a Western economy, right? That's what they really want to try and do here. Otherwise, they don't care about you. They don't care about whether or not you've got a family or you're trying to maintain your business. 
because the government is giving hundreds of billions of dollars to a cross-dresser, C-list comedian like Zelensky to arm Nazis over there. Yeah, you probably saw this uh, story on 60 Minutes. The U.S. is keeping up the payments to the Ukraine so that they can pay salaries for tens of thousands of Ukrainians during the government shutdown. And they're paying the salaries of some 57,000 Ukrainian civic services personnel. And the report details the various ways non-military aid is being spent. At a moment, GOP congressional leaders are intensely debating whether or not to give another $24 billion in military assistance to Kiev. This is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Right? American taxpayers are financing more than just weapons, they say. We discovered the U.S. government's buying seeds and fertilizers from the farmers, covering the salaries of Ukraine's first responders, all 57,000 of them. That includes the team that trains the rescue dog to comb through the wreckage of Russian strikes looking for survivors. Sidebar note, the Russians attacked a hotel that was hosting various um how can i put it nato representatives americans and various other members of the military from the eu they struck a hotel building with a missile and do you know what happened to that building no it blew up yes but it didn't collapse and vaporize into its own footprint and it got hit with a missile You know why I'm bringing that up. Hello, 9-11. But anyway, going back to this story, your tax dollars will be used to fund Ukrainian salaries while American citizens are forced to wait for their pay while the government remains closed. Yes. So this is what I mean by this government does not care about you. They don't care whether or not you've got food on the table because they're too busy funding and supporting Small businesses in a country run by Nazis. I'm not saying they're all Nazis, uh, but you can come up with plenty of news articles from the early and mid-2000s, well, 2014 and beyond. We'll go from there. Where everybody's out in the town square with uh, pitch, not pitchforks, but uh, torches, giving each other Zeke hails, Nazi memorabilia, swastikas everywhere. They still have all of that stuff. So please tell me why that is still happening, why they don't care about you. And Kanakistan, Canada, I mean, what they did over the weekend is just bizarre. I don't know if you saw this. I mean, you you should have. uh, But if you haven't, uh, there was, well, a gentleman that was honored. That's right. He was honored in Canada. Uh, And, well, it just so happens that this person by the name of Yaroslav Hukka, he was introduced as somebody that fought against the Russians. He met with the prime minister, Trudeau. He met with many other people. There were social media pictures taken with him. A standing ovation when they introduced him, oh my goodness, what a brave soul he was to fight against the Russians. Well, here's the problem. Do you know when Mr. Hunka 
fought against the Russians? I'll tell you when. During World War II, being part of the 14th Waffen-SS Grenadier Division. That's when Mr. Hunka fought against the Russians. He's 98 years old. He's part of the SS. A literal Nazi was honored in a government building in Canada. And then once everybody got wise to all of this, then they tried to say, well, we had no idea. He was a member of the SS. How could you not know? In order to be in front of Parliament, I would assume it is something along the lines of showing up at the Capitol building. I would assume that there is some level of a background check that goes on. And I would assume you would know that this guy came over during the Operation Paperclip years after World War II and tried to disappear, hopefully not getting murdered by the Mossad during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And now he's up there. He's up there. Everybody, oh my God, so brave, so brave. Where's the Anti-Defamation League in all of this? I thought they're supposed to be out there fighting against Nazism, fighting against bigotry. You've got a Nazi in front of you. And it was a monumental event for the government of Canada. Why aren't they saying anything? How come not more outrage has been heard across the mainstream media because of this. It's nonsense. It's absolutely stupid. And then another classic case of inversion comes out of Trudeau's stupid mouth. And he says, oh, we had no idea he was a member of the SS before inviting him. And he comes out and warns everybody that this event may fuel Russian propaganda. And Russian President Vladimir Putin has claimed the Ukraine conflict is about rooting out Nazis. So everybody should put a very, very uh, jaundiced eye on anything you hear about this event honoring a 98-year-old SS member. So it's the Russians' fault. They're going to hype up. No. No. No, absolutely not. Stop it. This isn't about the Russians. This is about you honoring Nazis because you aligned yourself, Mr. Trudeau, with literal Nazis in the Ukraine. That's what this is all about. This isn't about Russian propaganda. This is about you finally, at least some nation admitted it, coming out of the closet and saying that you support Nazis. That's what this is about. And then there was another incident in uh, in Eric Adams, Freemason Eric Adams, by the way. There are many pictures uh, that have come, at least over recently I've stumbled upon them. I'm not sure if they've been out for a while. Freemason Eric Adams, uh, mayor of New York City, he decided to, when, uh, when what's-his-face, Zelensky was over here. Uh, Zelensky has bodyguards. And these bodyguards went to a a very nice bar called the Campbell. And the Campbell is in Grand Central Station. If you didn't know what you were looking for, you'd never find this place. Very, very nice place. 
the history behind it is interesting. Uh, it was supposed to be the office of somebody, uh, a very rich magnate, and uh, he turned it into like a rehearsal hall and, and all that other stuff. It looks like a room out of a large mansion from uh, particularly a castle, more than a mansion. It's got the big wooden beams. It's known for its jazz. It's kind of got a speakeasy kind of feel to it, even though it's not a speakeasy. So you, you kind of get the picture here, low lights and all that. It's not meant to start fights at. And what happened? You had one of Zelensky's stupid Nazi body detail get shit-faced at this bar and start to get into fights with people because they wouldn't swear an oath to the Ukraine. And then I supposedly this fight dragged out into the street and, and uh, you know cops got called and all the rest. But that's what we're talking about here. This is the type of bottom-dwelling animals we're dealing with here that we've given hundreds of billions of dollars to. So please, we need to start recognizing that this kind of corruption can't go on much longer. And it's not going to end because we need to clear out all of these losers that we have in the Capitol and all of these idiots uh, that we have in uh, in politics in general. I'm, you know, I, I'm kind of stalling here because I don't know if I want to get to this. Uh, I'll do it anyway. Okay, real quick. Menendez, Bob Menendez, uh, looks like Keebler Elf, I would suspect, uh, baking cookies in a tree stump. Uh, very large ears on Mr. Menendez. I don't know where he got them from. Uh, so he has been indicted on federal bribery charges, claiming claims that they seized $480,000 uh, for emergencies. And he refuses to resign, and he claims they were allegations and so on and so forth. But here's the thing, is that there are gold bars involved. And that implies that there is some kind of bag man or bag woman. Because it's going to be difficult to prove what they're claiming, which is essentially that we have uh, Egyptians uh, influencing or trying to peddle influence with uh, Menendez, I think it was Egyptian number five or something like that. And uh, it's not the first time that Mr. Menendez was involved in this kind of scandal or a scandal of this type where um, Menendez allegedly took a headlong plunge into the a pool of corruption. Uh, and what else do we see? $90,000 wrapped like a pole boy in his freezer, which is a hoagie-style sandwich. Uh, but here's the thing about Menendez, right? Whether he did it or not, what they're accusing him of is essentially the same thing that Hunter Biden did, right? The indictment details gold bars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, furnishings, and other gifts. His wife was allegedly actively involved in this corruption conspiracy and is also facing criminal charges. So the point is this. If it is quid pro quo, and if it's pay to play, and they're getting him on this stuff, right? I don't care whether Menendez is guilty or not. But Hunter Biden and Joseph Biden and his hideous brother... They've done far worse than Menendez.
and Menendez is facing the fire. Why isn't Hunter or Joseph Biden doing that or getting the fire shoved down their shorts? Because what they've done, what we even know about, what's been outlined in Marco Polo's report on the Hunter Biden laptop and the 400-some-odd crimes that they found in there, God knows how many more you'd find if you actually investigated those 400-some-odd crimes outlined in the Hunter Biden laptop report from Marco Polo. If Menendez gets charged for stuff like this, then why isn't why aren't the Bidens getting charged for stuff like this? Somebody on the interwebs, Amy Hawthorne, A-W-H-A-W-T-H, is her handle over on X. The dates match up, and uh, she actually did a bit of a report, uh, a long, long thread. I don't know if I'm going to read all the way through it. Uh, but she put this together uh, relating to Menendez. Earlier today, a smart friend of mine found an interesting detail in the Menendez et al. indictment. So I read the doc, putting together the pieces. It does seem Egyptian official 5, introduced on page 17, as a senior Egyptian intelligence official, is Intel director Abbas Kamal. Now, I don't know if you remember who that is, but it will become clear. The indictment says that on June 21st, 21, Nadine Menendez and Egyptian official 4 organized a private meeting with Egyptian official 5 and Menendez at Washington, D.C. hotel, and prior to the next day, uh, they also met again. The dates, the dates match up with what Michael Isakoff reported in June 2121 in the Yahoo News article. Egyptian Intel Chief Abbas Kamal is visiting Washington this week to meet with U.S. intelligence officials as well as members of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. The indictment says that on the day of Menendez's private meeting, he provided his wife with a copy of a news article reporting on questions that other U.S. senators had asked or intended to ask the Egyptian official regarding human rights. Egypt's potential involvement in Jamal Khashoggi's murder, Senator Saffers said a number of senators are preparing to ask Kamal about reports that the jet carrying the Saudi assassins made a middle-of-the-night stopover in Cairo to pick up drugs used to kill him. And Yahoo News reported... On October 2nd of 2018, a Gulfstream jet carrying a team of Saudi assassins to Istanbul made a stopover in Cairo a few hours before. Back to the indictment, Ms. Hawthorne continues that Egyptian official 4 told Ms. Menendez that in a private meeting with Kamal, Senator Menendez raised the human rights question. And the indictment says that two days after Senator Menendez's private meeting with Abbas, while Hana purchased 22 one-ounce gold bars, each with a unique serial number. Two of these gold bars were subsequently found during the June 22 federal search of Menendez's home. The indictment also says that when Senator Menendez and his wife visited Egypt in October of 21, it what was originally planned as an unofficial visit. They had a private dinner with Egyptian official number five, which would could potentially be Kamal. It is unheard of that a U.S. senator would be invited to dine at the Intel chief's home. What is unusual, to say the least. One, Senator's wife allegedly acting as a go-between, a bag woman, to set up meetings with foreign officials. 
the senator's wife allegedly being paid by someone with possible ties to foreign intelligence, such as the Egyptian official, in the form of gold bars. And, of course, the senator allegedly having at his home gold bars purchased by someone who has close ties to a foreign government with key issues before the senator and on whose behalf the senator reportedly intervened with uh, USDA concerning his company, all unusual indeed. In other words, there was also a company in uh, New Jersey that was tied to uh, Egyptian folks that was under the gun. And thanks to Menendez and probably this bribe uh, involving uh, the Egyptian intel chief, all of those troubles went away. Uh, to quote Joseph Biden, son of a bitch, they fired him. I don't know if they fired the, uh, the, the the prosecutors in this case, but those issues went away. And so what else went away? All of the hubbub involving the murder of Khashoggi. If you don't remember who he was, he was a Turkish reporter, but more than likely tied to arms dealing along with his father when he was alive uh, in um, in the Middle East and so on and so forth. So somebody went out and got him and rubbed him out. Menendez, it looks like, is responsible uh, on the U.S. side to quell the outrage of the murder of Khashoggi, took some gold bars to shut himself up and play ball. That's what this is all turning out to be, with his wife acting as the bag woman uh, that goes between all of these intelligence officials and so on and so forth. One final story about Menendez. This comes from 11-11-2017, November 11th. In 2017, Senator Menendez, uh, and this was, where was this from? SanDiegoTribune.com. Senator Robert Menendez may have had sex with underage hookers in the DR. Washington federal prosecutors said Monday that they aren't convinced claims U.S. Senator Robert Menendez cavorted with underage hookers. And uh, it is seen as widely discredited and false. Lawyers for the New Jersey Democrat last week asked a federal judge to dismiss these charges that the senator took bribes from a Florida eye doctor, Solomon Melgen, and in exchange used his power to do business and personal favors for him. Prosecutors said hooker allegations against Menendez were not so easily disprovable as the defendants suggest. The defense said that the case is bogus and so on. Three women who made the prostitution allegations later recanted and said they were paid to level the charges. But let's be honest here. What do we know? We know that the people in these political circles do cavort around with under aged people in other words children or if the democrats have their way a mature minor so let's not be surprised that a senator somehow ends up in the dominican republic surrounded by hookers and oops wouldn't you know it one of those hookers is 12 but as long as you play ball nobody has to worry about it Right? That's how all of this is played out. So let's hope Menendez gets what's coming to him because more than likely he deserves it, uh, especially when you pal around with supposedly underaged women in the DR. Okay, my voice is shot. That's enough for me. This is the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels. You know what you can do. Find me, like me, share me, everywhere you go. 
And uh, that's it. Be the lovable fuzz while you are. My voice is shot. I am out of here. Another three podcasts coming your way as usual. And gird your loins for those.